Episode 62 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. Uh, Wow. Wow, wow, wow. The NBA playoffs have been incredible. Knicks news this week, a plenty as expected. Trade rumors. Dancing with the stars. Uh, <laughs> we'll touch on all of it. Uh, there's a lot of Knicks stuff to get to this week, which is good. Feels like it's been forever since we've had a ton of Knicks stuff to talk about. Normally, it's just been one or two things, and we do what we can with the information that's given to us. But we've got quite a few rumors. We've got quite a few stories. And yeah, we'll talk about Charles Oakley's latest uh, escapades as well. Um <laughs> Let's start with some of the Knicks draft stuff. Um, We'll get into some of the NBA playoffs, some of the controversy with the NBA playoffs in the second half of the show, because the Knicks news, there's so much, it might, it might drip into the second segment. So we'll, we'll manage that as we go. We'll see where we're at uh, with some of that stuff. There's a lot to get to. Uh, First and foremost, basically it's been the news of the day as far as the Knicks are concerned, but basically it's been... In all honesty, uh, rumors galore about what the Knicks could possibly do with a trade with their pick. Everyone's expecting the Knicks to be one of the well, they're expecting the Knicks to be one of the more likely teams to trade. Really, either way, up or down, and both are possible um, because the Knicks are so high on Lamelo Ball. It seems that that is a huge possibility. Um, no question about that. By the way. Big news not involving the Knicks that came out today. We'll touch on that as well. I should have included that in the top. I apologize. You probably know what it is. We'll touch on that as well across the uh, to the other borough in Brooklyn. Back to the LaMelo Ball stuff because this is we're, we're a Knicks show. We're starting with the Knicks. A couple different, you know, situations here. I said this a couple of shows ago. Actually, it might have been last show. Um, the Knicks to get LaMelo ball have to be shooting bare minimum for that third pick. I think they probably going to need that second pick, but for that third pick to have any shot, you need to get there. Um, one or two, if you get one or two, there's a very good shot. You get them, obviously. Um, there's been, you know, different trade, uh, things out there, different trade, uh, scenarios that have been proposed, including Bobby Portis and a couple of first round picks, um, and things of that nature. The trading with the Timberwolves, I saw one, I think this is from USA Today, um, the Knicks would trade Bobby Portis this year's first round pick, the eighth pick, and then next year's first round pick for Evan Turner and the number one pick. That, that, I'll say this. I don't know if that would ever be talked about, to be fair, because it seems like it, it, yeah, the Knicks would run away with that in a heartbeat. But if that is possible, that feels a lot closer to a successful trade than I thought the Knicks could possibly get. I don't think it is. That feels like, that feels like a pipe dream trade. In my opinion, um, I don't think the I don't think the Timberwolves would do that trade. I think they'd rather take Anthony Edwards. To be honest with you, 
I don't know if that would go down. Getting the second pick um, feels a little bit easier as far as what you need to give up, but some of the names that have been thrown out there, you know, one trade request or one trade scenario I saw, Knicks get the second pick, which is no guarantee you get LaMelo Ball, by the way. The Timberwolves could still take him. Um, and you get, you, you would trade the next, you know, this year's first round pick, next year's first round pick, and Mitchell Robinson. That feels like too much to give up. And you'd only get the second pick. You'd still not get the guy you want. I don't, I don't like that for me. I don't think that that makes a whole lot of sense. I think Golden State could give you more, in my opinion, than just that pick. I think that's not enough, if I'm being honest. Um, the third pick, trading, uh, I believe, with the Hornets would be an interesting scenario. The Knicks would trade Bobby Portis this year's first, next year's first, for Bismack Biombo and the third pick. For me, that's an even bigger risk, obviously, because you're probably not going to get LaMelo Ball if you get the third pick, but it gives you a chance. You know what I mean? It gives you an opportunity to potentially get him. Again, this is all USA Today putting these out there. This one, I, I don't, I don't love the player either. Bismack Biombo doesn't feel like a good player to get back in that trade. I think I'd honestly, in that scenario, I'd rather keep Bobby Portis and talk to somebody else. But again, these are just some of the things that are being thrown out there. For me, in a perfect world, and I'm just giving you that as a backdrop for what my my thoughts on the on this are. I think if you're gonna if Lamelo Ball means that much to you, and I think that he if you get him, it could be a massive massive moment early in the Leon Rose, Tom Thibodeau era here. You've got to go for the second pick. If you think that he's the guy that's going to change your franchise, you've got to go for bare minimum, the second pick. If not the first pick, obviously you want the best deal. And again, if those are, you know, within the realm of possibility and they're, you, you know, you, you use the apps and things like that, the, the real GM, I think I forget what it's called, but they, they adjust for, you know, salary cap projected wins, things like that. What are you going to get out of it? If the Knicks get the second pick, I think it's a win. If the Knicks get the first pick and you'll, and again, you give up the next two first round picks and then a player, for me, I would like to have a player back in, in a deal like this. I would want the pick, a player, and you can have my, my next two first round picks and a player. That seems more reasonable than here's a player, here's two first round picks next, this year and next year. You only get this year's first round pick. I don't like that. I, I don't think that that makes a whole lot of sense. The Knicks still need talent on the roster I think you'd want another player with the first overall pick or with the second overall pick there's guys to play around with there now again who knows the Knicks could also by the way the Knicks could also trade down in this draft if they don't think that there's a deal good enough to move up to get LaMelo Ball again point guard is so big in this draft the Knicks have to get one they could trade back get some extra picks and then you're looking at maybe a Jamius Ramsey and Emmanuel Quickly 
Devon Dotson, someone like that, depending on where you go. Or maybe even Cole Anthony could still be around because he keeps dropping on all these boards. Incredible. But remember, the other scenario that's interesting, the Knicks could stay put, could stay where they are. You'd still be in play for Tyrese Halliburton and definitely in play for Cole Anthony. So there's what I'm trying to say is, after all that, the Knicks could win with all three scenarios here. There's a, there's a scenario where the Knicks have a good draft with all three scenarios. You trade up, you go all out, you get LaMelo Ball. That's a win. You stay where you are, you get Tyrese Halliburton or Cole Anthony. That's a win, in my opinion. I think if you get one of those two guys, the Knicks have had a great start to their draft. If you trade back, maybe get a couple extra picks, and you still get Cole Anthony... I think that's a win. I really do. I, I think that's a really good opportunity. I would take Anthony in that scenario, and then I would use probably that early second round pick on Emmanuel quickly. And the Knicks have had a really good draft, I think. I think that's a really good start with the guards there. And I think that you could really put some pressure on Peyton, Nilakina, and then you deal with, with whatever you have to do with Dennis Smith Jr., and you move forward. I think that's a that would be, in my opinion... Trading back, there's still a win scenario there. Because if people are so low on Cole Anthony, you could possibly make him a gem of this draft. I really think so. He, I mean, we were talking here about a month ago. He was a top five pick. So I, I don't think that we should throw that out the window. Like, he could still be a really good... I think he, honestly, honestly, I still think he could be one of the best guards in this draft. I really do. I really do. I think people are severely underrating his ability. I think Cole Anthony could end up being the steal of this draft. And if the Knicks trade back and get him and then grab a few more nice picks in the draft, I mean, that's a huge win. So that, again, the Knicks have a scenario where in all three where they could still win in this draft, despite the disaster on draft lottery night and falling back two places. So that really... Was was first thing that really caught my eye were these trade scenarios, and I think that it's a big deal. I think that the Knicks could really do well in all three potential scenarios. Staying put, Halliburton and Cole Anthony are in play. You trade up, you go all out, you get Lamelo Ball, you get the guy you think is going to change the franchise, and you deal with his dad, but you get the guy you need, and or you trade back. And maybe you still get Cole Anthony, and then you can maybe pick up another guard and then a few more really good prospects in the late first, early second rounds here. And you can end up getting four draft picks out of the deal. So I I, I think that that maybe even five. So I I really think that that, depending on what you do. So I I think that that's a really interesting scenario. Now, who's going to be willing to trade up to eight? That's That's another discussion, to be honest with you. There's a couple of teams out there that could be willing to do it. But it depends on who they want. It depends on who they're trading up to get. Are they trading up to get your guy? Are they trading up to get Cole Anthony? Are they trading up to get Tyrese Halliburton? Then you've got to... That, that's something you have to consider because those are guys that the Knicks could potentially be after if they don't get LaMelo Ball. So that's something the Knicks will have to consider on draft night and leading up to draft night. But I, there's winnable scenarios in all three situations for the Knicks. And it's about executing on what what you want and making it happen. I think they're going to go after LaMelo Ball. It, from all the reports, from everything I've read, from everything I've looked into, they really want him. 
I think that they think he's the best player in the draft, if not one of the best players in the draft. I think they think he's by far the best point guard in the draft, and the Knicks need a point guard. So I think that, you know what? You know what? I think one of the big pluses of LaMelo Ball specifically, forgetting about his dad and his family and and things like that for a second. LaMelo Ball's professional experience could be a huge plus. Think Luka Doncic. I think that's where the Knicks have their heads at right now. And they're hoping LaMelo Ball could not, maybe not fit the same mold as Luka, but have the same success that Luka has had in the NBA. And him being that cornerstone for the next 10 years with the Knicks. I think that's the game plan. If they go up and they give up the next two first round picks to get them, that's what they're hoping they get back in return. So, and again, draft to draft, it's, you know, you can't say now, well, next year's draft's going to be really good. Who knows? It really, who knows at this point with the pandemic, what it's going to look like next year. So I, I think for the time being, you see what's in front of you. If the Knicks think that LaMelo Ball is going to turn their franchise, you got to get him. You've got to go out, make a statement and get him. Try to get a player back in return. I think that's a perfect deal if the Knicks can do that. Evan Turner, by the way, like some of these deals that are out there, somehow Evan Turner coming back to the Knicks, that's a solid player to pick up. A good leadership guy, going to cost you a little bit of money. But if you offset that with a Bobby Portis, that ends up being a pretty good deal. So if those are close to what's possible, I think the Knicks could definitely consider that. Obviously trading back, if there's a partner willing to do it, could reap its its rewards as well. And obviously, if you stand put, you still have two guards, I think, that are, that you could go home happy with in this draft. So, very interesting to see what the Knicks are going to do with that. Some trade rumors, some free agency rumors. Uh, the Knicks, apparently, according to multiple reports, are very high on Victor Oladipo. Um, apparently, um, according to SNY's Ian Begley, um, his name's been being thrown around a lot. Some Knicks uh, according to Begley, very high, quote-unquote, on Oladipo. But they don't know if the top decision-makers are high on Oladipo. Remember, Oladipo's been hurt a lot during the season. Um, listen, on paper, Oladipo could be a nice ad, but depends on who you give up in this trade scenario We'll see. I, I I don't love it on paper. I should say I don't I don't love it because of the injuries. You know what I mean? On paper, there's been some good things, but he's been injured quite a bit. You know, when he's played a full season, he's been one of the best players in the NBA. He's 28 years old. You know, could be a nice opportunity here. His contract is up at the end of next season. So do the Knicks trade to get him now and then try to re-sign him? I, I don't know. I, I, I That would be a risky move, in my opinion. But we'll see. It's certainly an option that's out there. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has apparently been in talks, or not in talks, but on the Knicks' radar as well. However, despite the fact that there's been speculation of Donovan Mitchell going to the Knicks, apparently... Uh, <laughs> There's rumors that he's about to sign a five-year, $170 million extension to stay with Utah. So, apparently the issues with Rudy Gobert 
are behind them. They just lost a heartbreaking Game 7 to the Nuggets. We'll get to that later. But it looks like Donovan Mitchell is going to be off the board for the Knicks. Want to throw that one out there as well. Um, One more that that caught my eye. We've talked about this one before. Um, that's it. It was interesting the first time. I don't remember what I said, to be honest, about this. So my opinion might have changed uh, from then until now. But apparently Fred Van Fleet is going to draw interest from the Knicks in free agency. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. This offseason could be one of the best players on the market. Um, apparently, you know, again, this is according to the New York Daily News. Thanks are going to have $50 million in cap space and could be in position to offer Van Fleet a big contract. Here's the good news, right? Fred Van Fleet is 26 years old, 17.6 points per game, 6.5 assists, almost 4 rebounds, almost 2 steals per game. Shooting 41% from the field, 39 from deep. Big reason why the Raptors are the two seed and are fighting for their lives right now in the semis down 2-0 to Boston in going into tonight's Game 3 night of recording. On paper, this feels like a fantastic opportunity for the Knicks to get a good player. I just don't know if Fred Van Fleet, I think I said this last time, I don't remember, I don't know if Fred Van Fleet's going to be thinking, I got three three really good years in front of me potentially in the NBA. Do I want to spend them with you know with a rebuilding job in New York? You know, I don't know if that's what he's thinking. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's going to be what's going to happen because apparently, you know, there's there's multiple reports out there that you know I think this is from Brian Windhorst who said that, listen, not only can Fred Van Fleet get $20 million per year, potentially, but according to Brian Windhorst, quote, Toronto is expected to be aggressive when Fred Van Fleet hits unrestricted free agency. He's been a core piece of the team's future with Lowry on the back nine of his career. League executives believe that the four-year $85 million deal Malcolm Brogdon got from the Pacers last summer will set the market for Fred Van Fleet. Uh, he added the Pistons, Dwayne Casey, used to coach Fred Van Fleet in Toronto, opened a, a swath of cap space when trading Andre Drummond earlier this year. The Knicks and Atlanta Hawks, two teams with cap space that could use a combo guard who can play on or off the ball, are also possible options. If Fred Van Fleet wants to win, none of those are great options. The Pistons, not ideal. Dwayne Casey, in charge. I don't know if that's where he wants to go. On top of that, I think you look at a guy, or should say a franchise in the Hawks, where yes, you've got Trey Young, but you don't really have anything else. And the Knicks, you know, there's some core pieces there. RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, new coach and Tom Thibodeau could be juicy as well. Certainly somebody that preaches defense and could be a really strong guy to work with. But you look at what you've got in Toronto with Nick Nurse. You look at what you've got. you got Pascal Siaka, Marcus Saul, OG Ananobi, who had a fantastic game in game two of the NBA playoffs, a guy that could be a really nice young player in the years to come, a fantastic defender as well. I don't know. I think when you look at it on paper, it'd be like, well, why would he leave Toronto if he gets the money he wants, right? And if Toronto's going to be aggressive in giving it to him, 
it feels like a no-brainer that he'll stay. But that doesn't mean you go after him. You don't go after him and try to swoo, uh, you know, woo him away uh, and things of that nature. So we'll see. You know, I, I, it's an interesting one. Um, honestly, if you can get him, get him. I think he could be a really nice fit. But we'll end up seeing what happens with that as we move forward into the free agency period after this crazy regular season ends. Let's take a break there. Some more NBA news and the NBA playoff insanity that's happened over the last couple nights in the second half of the show. All of that after a break on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. A very juicy second half of the show, I have to say. A lot of good stuff to get to in the second half of the show. Let's let's kind of wrap up the news portion of this first. Um couple of a couple of weird ones to finish up the news wrapping here. Apparently Mark Berman of the New York Post is reporting that Leon Rose has an eye on Carmelo Anthony coming back to the Knicks. Apparently Anthony's been on Rose's radar ever since he took over the presidency in early March. Rose is Anthony's former top client at CAA, Creative Artists Agency. Apparently Tom Thibodeau becoming the head coach um, is definitely a connection as well. Obviously, and the newly hired Mike Woodson being there as well. Obviously, uh, Anthony's coach when they had that great 2012-2013 season when the Knicks got to the second round of the playoffs. Listen, there's two big problems here. Obviously, Carmelo Anthony didn't leave on good terms. Um, Part of that's Phil Jackson's fault, I have to say. He's not there anymore, obviously. Biggest, biggest problem biggest problem is really where would he fit on the roster you have Julius Randle there right now who for the most part had a good season gives you the numbers you need scoring and rebounding wise that Carmelo's not going to give you anymore really no matter what is Anthony going to be willing to fit a role on this team um and also why wouldn't he if if you if you can re-sign with Portland you've got Lillard and McCollum on a team that finished in the eighth spot and gave the Lakers a little bit of problems in the first round on a team that's, that wasn't healthy, could have been, you know, didn't have Zach Collins, Yusef Nurkic was in and out of the lineup all season, missed significant time. Like this is a team that could be a top four seed in the West next year that Mello would be leaving to join a project in New York. We'll see. Like this is another we'll see. <laughs> I don't see it. I think the Knicks... Listen, if if he could fit a role, Melo, this is a different Carmelo Anthony than we were talking about, you know, five months ago. He has shown in the playoffs that he can still play. So, that's the good news, but the bad news is, can Melo... Does Melo want to fit this role? I don't know if it's going to be there, and if he stays... If he gets the opportunity to stay in Portland for the money he's looking for, for a one- or two-year deal, I think he takes it. I, I don't see why you leave two superstars in or a superstar and a really good star in Lillard and McCollum respectively to join a Knicks team that's still trying to figure it out and, and is still trying to put pieces together. So 
again, what the Knicks do with trades or potential signings in free agency could change how that ends up playing out. It really could. But for now, I don't see that happening. I really don't. I think that that could be... Um, I don't know. I, I think that that could kind of not work out really well, to be honest with you. I think that could be a disaster there, potentially. But again, you have to see what the Knicks do in the draft, and then we have to see what the Knicks do with possible trades and obviously free agency as well. All right. One more serious piece of news before we dive into the uh, the crazy story, really. Um, the Nets have a new head coach, and it's Steve Nash. Um, I've been talking to a number of people who uh, I know who love the Nets. Mixed emotions from what I've been told from people that I know that are were hoping that the Nets would nail this one after obviously firing Kenny Atkinson. People have been comparing it to, to other sports, which I don't like. It doesn't it doesn't fit the same way. You know, some people compared it to Jason Kidd that I talked with, some compared it to the Yankees hiring Aaron Boone. I, I don't I don't I don't really see that. It doesn't fit the same way. I, I think this is a huge risk for the Nets to hire Steve Nash. I really do. I, I don't it's a four year deal, by the way. I don't know if Steve Nash is cut out for this. This, this, to me, could feel like the Derek Fisher move that the Knicks made a few years ago. I, I Apparently, Steve Nash wants Dirk Nowitzki to be on the staff. Dirk Nowitzki apparently is also being courted by Dallas um, and wants Dirk as one of their owners, I think, is what I read, if I got that right. Wants him to join as a minority owner. Um with a team that he obviously has won an NBA championship with. I don't, this is a tough one. It really is. This is a tough one to gauge out of the, out of the gates. And I don't know if the Nets are going to be too happy with this two years down the line. I really don't. I think he's going to, I mean, he'll get next season. Obviously Durant and Irving should be healthy and he's going to get a real good go at it next year. But you know, if the Nets are not, you know, a top four seed and they're playing for a championship within two years, Steve Nash is going to get fired. I, I think people don't quite get that right now. Expectations are extremely high on a guy who's never coached before and has been a soccer analyst over the last couple of years. And in my humble opinion, not a very good one over the last couple of years. He's also a minority owner in Mallorca, a team in La Liga in Spain. So, and they just got relegated, by the way. Not not on him, obviously, but it's one of those things where it's just like, okay, this is, you're pulling him out of all of that and saying, go win a championship with the Nets. I don't buy that, is what I'm trying to say. I, I, I don't buy that that's going to work. I really don't. And whether they hire Dirk or not, I don't think that really changes anything. You've already got Durant and Irving. So, what do you, you I guess Dirk's going to come in and coach? Okay. Like, he hasn't done that either. So, I, I don't get the appeal of hiring those two guys. So, that, that's my quick two cents on that because we've actually got 
still got to get to the NBA play. I'm running out of time here. So many good stuff. So much good stuff on the show this week. All right. We'll get to the silly stuff and then we'll dive into the NBA playoffs because that was just crazy last night. Um, the last, really the last couple of nights. Charles Oakley is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, and this cast is freaking nuts. I don't know if any if anyone watches Dancing with the Stars. I don't watch it a whole lot. To be honest with you, I'm not a reality guy. I don't watch a lot of these shows. I've watched some in the past because certain athletes have been on it. I'm curious to see how they do and things like that. But Charles Oakley being on doesn't do a whole lot for me. I don't, I don't think that it's going to be that big of a deal. But Carol Baskin... Uh, from Tiger King is apparently going to be on. I think that's going to be a nightmare. Holy bleep. Uh, the the woman that reportedly, or not really, well, apparently they reopened her case last time I checked. She may or may not have murdered her husband, um, which is insane. Dancing with the Stars continues to bring on the best. Vernon Davis is going to be on as well uh, in the sports world. That's really it as far as notables, I think. Um, but yeah. If you want, if you like the show, go root for Oak, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm flipping through the cast right now just to make sure I didn't miss anybody. Um, uh, you know, from sports, obviously Charles Oakley, we mentioned uh, Vernon Davis. It's a lot of people that either you know them or you don't. That's kind of classic Dancing with the Stars nowadays uh, from what I've, well, to be fair, just from looking at athletes over the years, it's either you know them or you don't know them for Dancing with the Stars. So it's a lot of, you know, guys of the ilk of Oakley from other professions. I'm really just throwing it out there for two reasons. One, I was really intrigued to see Carol Baskin there. I think that's a, it's a dumb move for her. Great move for Dancing with the Stars. They continue to bring in people that are, whose lives are falling apart. But um, also... Charles Oakley's there. That's why I brought it. It was my excuse to bring it up on the show. I'm not going to watch if I'm being totally honest with you guys. I'm not tuning in. But for those that like it, that's for you. So enjoy that. If you want to let me know how he's doing throughout. You know what? We might turn that into a thing. Who knows? If he does well, like if he, if Charles Oakley, and this is totally off the top of my head here. If Charles Oakley does well on Dancing with the Stars, We'll keep track of it. We love Oak around here, man. I love Oak. You love Oak. It's it's well documented. Knicks fans love Charles Oakley. What a way to stick it to James Dolan to win Dancing with the Stars. That'd be pretty insane. I don't think he's going to do it. But if he does well, I might have to keep track of it. Might have to keep track of it. When, when does Dancing with the Stars get going? Let's take a look at this. Let's see uh, when season... What season is... Oh, my God. Season 29? Holy bleep. Um, The fact that it's been that long is, frankly, a crime. Um, But anyway, let's take a look at when... Again, I'm doing this all... This is all organic here. Let's see when season 29 tips off here. The 14th. So the 14th of September is when Dancing with the Stars Season 29 gets going. That's in about a week and a half. So, 
we're not going to do anything for next show, but if he survives the first week, we'll keep track of Charles Oakley. So that's the promise I'll make. If he, if Charles Oakley doesn't get voted out the first week of Dancing with the Stars, we will have a segment devoted to Charles Oakley's dancing escapades until he's eliminated. Why not? Why not? I, I think that'd be a lot of fun. It's not going to be long. It's not going to be like the last dance where we have a 10-minute segment almost each week, uh, you know, actually sometimes 20 minutes, uh, d- dedicated to that. But we'll we'll, tune, we'll chime in. You know, we'll see how he's doing. Uh, support the man. Why not? He's a Nick legend. We love him. We love him around here. We love Oak. So, yeah, we're Nick fans. Why not support our guy? Good luck to him. And uh, hopefully he kicks Carol Baskin into next week. Um, anyway, let's finish the <laughs> let's finish the show uh, with the crazy playoff games over the last couple of days. It's been insane. I mean, it's been it's been great. Don't get me wrong. It's been unbelievable drama over the last two days. It really has been. We kind of, I mean, Monday, we saw Chris Paul really step up, send it to a game seven. The Heat kind of outplayed the box in game one. Then we just got, game like from Tuesday night, straight into Wednesday, a strong 48 hours of crazy NBA basketball is what we got from Tuesday to Wednesday night. It was insane. It really, it, it, it took your breath away. That's how good it was. Game two between the Celtics and the Raptors was a nail biter down the stretch. I honestly thought the Raptors were going to win the game. I thought that they were the better team from basically the start. I, I really, I, I honestly thought they were going to pull it out. OG Ananobi was fantastic. So was Serge Ibaka. Kyle Lowry gave you a strong performance, but 34 points from Jason Tatum was in the end enough. And the fact that I think OG Ananobi led in scoring, Fred Van Fleet, 19 points, but on 22 shots, inconsistent from three, only three of 12. Tatum, 34. Jalen Brown had 16. Marcus Smart had 19. Big shots late from Kemba Walker. He had 17 points. And despite his inefficiency, the Raptors dropped game two and the Celtics have a 2-0 series lead and are pretty much in command. I, I can't, I, I don't see the Celtics going away. I think they basically are going to win this series. It just depends on how many games back the Raptors are going to get. I, I think this probably goes six games. I think the, the defending champs are going to show some pride. Honestly, it's going to come down to Pascal Siakam. That, that's really what it's going to come down to. He has not been good enough in these first two games. 17 points in game two, but on 16 shots. He's he's need, he's going to need 25 a night over these next couple to get back in this series, I think. it's That's just not good enough from your star player. And honestly, if he's not going to step up, then you're going to need some more out of, out of Kyle Lowry. Marcus Saul's going to have to step up. He only had six points in game two. And, and, and you're going to need to get a little bit more out of Sergi Baca consistently again he played really well in game two but he's not going to give you that every night so tough times right now for nick nurse i think they really needed that game two and to drop it is it puts them in a really tough spot going into game three which is going to be uh tonight at the time of recording you'll know where the series stands so that was a great game and then it just got topped really i mean (laughs) Game seven between the Nuggets and the Jazz really ended up living up to the hype. 
fantastic game. Really ended up being a good series. I think that that was a series nobody was talking about, really, going into the start of the NBA playoffs. And that series lived up to the hype. Mitchell and Murray were phenomenal throughout the entire series. Game 7 was really, in the end, a defensive battle. Um, and it ended up coming down to the big guys, really. I mean, Mitchell kind of got canceled out for most of the game, especially in the first half. And then Murray didn't really get going until the end. Murray finished with 17 points. On the Jazz side, only 22 points for Donovan Mitchell. And both of those guys had put up 50 burgers in the series. So it really came down to the big guys. 19 points, 18 rebounds from Rudy Gobert. But he got outdueled in the end. 30 points, 14 rebounds for Nikola Jokic. And they needed every last one of them because that crazy last sequence ended up deciding the series. Um, the Jazz had trouble getting off a shot in the final seconds. The, the Nuggets held firm. They came away with the ball after Mitchell got stood up in the paint. It looked like the Nuggets were just going to lay it up and win the series, but they couldn't get the layup to go, and the Jazz took it back down the floor. Michael Conley had a wide-open three to win the series, and it clinked in and out. And you could just see the look on Donovan Mitchell's face when Mike Conley Jr.'s three-point shot went in and out. He thought it was going to go in. It looked like it was in. I thought it was going to go down, and it rimmed out. And the Nuggets come back from 3-1 down in the series to stun the Jazz and knock them out of the NBA playoffs. So it is going to be Denver against LA, the Clippers, that is, in the first round. Game one, I believe, is tonight at the time of recording. What a game that was to finish off a fantastic series. And in the end, after it was Donovan Mitchell versus Jamal Murray... It ended up being Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert when it really mattered in Game 7. And Nikola Jokic, I think, made one or two more plays on a really good defender in Rudy Gobert. And it ends up being the clincher to win the series. So, fantastic 7th game. 80-78 to was the final and just a defensive battle in Game 7. It goes to Denver and the Nuggets will play the Clippers in the, East, or me, in the Western Conference semi-finals it got crazier on wednesday bucks heat game two i'm down in florida right now for work i mean it's anywhere you go right now in the miami area it is heat gear everywhere at the moment despite everyone trying to stay home down here anytime you go out grocery shopping or things like that you've got people wearing heat gear they've been excited Heat haven't lost in the playoffs so far in game two Looked like they had a shot at losing at one point, but to be fair to them, the Heat led for most of the way in this game. The, the Bucks never really got going at the start, but the late flurry that made this game just epic uh, came in the final second. Looked like the game was basically wrapped up. I think the want to say the Heat had a had a six point lead with twenty something seconds to go, and you're thinking, all right, they just got to make their free throws, and this game's over. But a crucial mistake on an inbounds play, thrown it into Jimmy Butler. Butler, I think, could have called a timeout, thought better of it, threw it away, and Brooke Lopez laid it in. And in the in uh, there was a good play before that as well, defensively by the Bucks, and. A six-point lead evaporated to a two-point lead in the blink or three-point lead in the blink of an eye after a couple of stops by the Bucks, including that takeaway. And all of a sudden, it's a game, 
and the and the the Bucks foul the Heat, and the Heat all of a sudden have to go to the free throw line and make these free throws, which they did not, by the way. And the Bucks then go back down the floor and they tie the game at the free throw line. Chris Middleton is fouled down three with five seconds to go. Or I should say 4.3 seconds to go. Very controversial foul call. I think in the end, it, it was probably the right call. Um, it Not a ton of contact, if I'm being honest, but Goran Dragic does move toward Chris Middleton in that play and makes contact with him. It's a soft call. I think if it, if it's any if there's any other time on the clock after you know before the two minute mark, I think that's probably a. I don't think anyone complains about it, but because it was in the final seconds, it was a huge uproar about the call. Um, Middleton makes all three free throws. You're thinking, oh my god, the Bucks have saved themselves. We're going to overtime. Jimmy Butler takes it down the floor, final seconds, throws up a prayer, if I'm being honest, from the baseline. I don't think it was going to go in regardless of what happened. But Giannis puts his hand on him after the ball is released and a foul is called with literally no time left on the clock. But the foul happened and it happened, by the way, the big moment was that Jimmy Butler got the shot off before time expired if he hadn't we would have gone overtime but he did with two tenths of a second to go the foul happened right as the clock expired honestly live it looked like an even worse foul call but if you go by the rules you can't touch an airborne player whether or not he's got the ball or not it really is a moot point so if you go by that logic it's a good call however i honestly if you both calls should have been let go, in my opinion. I think it, it, when it comes down to it, if you're going to go, I'll say this. If both of those calls had happened in Milwaukee, where this game should have been played if we didn't have a pandemic, I don't think either one gets called. I really don't. I don't think the Bucks get the call on the Middleton three. I definitely don't think that he get the call on the Butler baseline jumper. I don't think it happens. Which means the Heat win anyway. So it doesn't end up mattering. But regardless, uh, Butler makes both free throws and the Heat win 116 to 114. What a freaking crazy game that was. Holy smokes. That game was unbelievable. And in the end, the Heat win it and they're up 2 0 and they look like they're going to cruise, to be honest. The Bucks have not looked like they've been up for the fight in this series. Giannis has looked up for the fight. But no one else has really brought that same energy. 29 points, 14 rebounds in the game to loss. And despite a tough night shooting for Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic really stepped up. 23 points for the Heat. And they're 2-0 up. And they look like they could honestly go on and easily win this series. So it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see game three for both the Raptors and the Bucks is going to be crucial. By the way, I believe... I heard this on the ESPN broadcast of the Bucks Heat game from Mark Jones, the broadcaster. First time ever in NBA playoff history that both the top two seeds, both the one and the two seeds, are 2-0 down in the same series at the same time. Pretty remarkable that that is what we're looking at right now. But we're in the bubble. Anything is possible. Thought it couldn't get any crazier, but it did. Rockets Thunder Game 7. 
Wow. I honestly could have, I mean, probably the game of the day. I'm sorry, the game of, <laughs> of the last couple of days. What a crazy game. Obviously, a ton on the line for the Rockets. They basically had to win or they'd be embarrassed uh, for making that Russell Westbrook trade. The Thunder weren't supposed to be here, but they were, and they made a heck of an effort just to get back into this series. They were 2-0 down in this series at one point to even get it to a Game 7 with the season they've gone through. Remember, I picked them to be dead last in the West. Many had them around there at the beginning of the season. What a season for the Thunder has to be said, but the Rockets barely, barely held on. It really came down to this last sequence of the game. Um, the Rockets are, I believe, up to, with the ball, last, I think it was like 20-something seconds left. They go for it. They try to get a bucket. They don't get it. The Thunder come down the other way. They almost lose it. Chris Paul didn't really need to take it. Puts up a desperation shot. It doesn't go. Rockets go down the other way. They make one of two free throws. Thunder come back down again. I thought Chris Paul was going to let the clock run down. He's going to take a three. They win. They go They go through. They lose. They go home. They, they, he misses. They go home. He doesn't. He tries to pass it off. He gets deflected. He saves it. They try to pass it off again to Shea Gilders Alexander. Then to Lou Dort. Lou Dort gets blocked by James Harden on a three. Lou Dort, I, I don't know what he's thinking here. Tries to throw it off of James Harden, misses him. It goes out of bounds with five tenths of a second left. Then the officials completely, almost completely blew this situation here. Not only, not only did they, by the way, there was a foul call in a sequence before that that the, the, the refs almost missed as well. They almost gave them all back to Houston when it was clearly a foul that had been called against Houston that gave the ball back to OKC that set up this crazy sequence and the first, they almost messed that up. And then on top of that, they almost messed this up because they gave they put 1.6 back on the clock, but they missed. And and Steve Javi, who's on the call for ESPN as their official, what a phenomenal as their official's analyst, I should say. What a phenomenal job by him to spot the fact that Lou Dort was out of bounds before he threw the ball off of James Harden. So they had to throw another second back on the clock. Thank God they did that because then OKC would have had no chance of winning the game. And so they, all right, all that happens, right? It's Houston ball. They inbound, they go to the line and they leave the door open again for OKC to possibly get back into this. And in the end, OKC with 1.4 seconds to go gets one more chance and they completely blow it on the inbounds play. It's a terribly drawn inbounds play by by Billy Donovan. Chris Paul has no chance to get open. There's no opportunity to get it to a shooter. And instead, while they need a jumper, they throw it into Steven Adams, who's nowhere near the bucket, and it gets deflected away. Harden runs away with it, with I think might have been House or someone like that, or, or P.J. Tucker, I forget. They run away with the ball. They run out the clock and the Rockets win it 104 to 102. They just needed a two at the end of the game. They could have maybe thrown it into Steven Adams. I thought you maybe throw it into Chris Paul and he tries to get a foul. Something like that. But they don't get any shot off. They throw it away. It was a terrible play call. Terrible decision down the stretch. I think Shea Gilders Alexander was the inbounder. 
it really the for all the hard work they put in all season to get where they were, that's a tough way for it to end for the OKC Thunder. I think they could have gotten a much better shot at the end of the game, but you got to give Houston a ton of credit. They knew that they had to win this series. They almost blew it again. This would have been another disastrous moment for Houston. Mike D'Antoni's job on the line. They win it in Game 7, 104-102. to 102. By the hair on their chinny-chin-chin, they're moving on to play the LA Lakers in the second round of the NBA playoffs. And that's going to be a heck of a series. What a couple of days of basketball. It really has been off the charts good. It's been a ton of fun entertainment. No question about it. I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have. Hope you've enjoyed this show as much as I have. This has been a fun one this week. A lot of good stuff to talk about. And hopefully we continue to get this good stuff moving forward from the NBA playoffs as well. All right, I'm going to end it there. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you comment on postingandtoasting.com. Let me know what you think about what the Knicks are going to do moving forward with their draft picks and with free agency and trades and things like that as well. And let me know your thoughts on the NBA playoffs as well. Excited to hear your thoughts on what's going on in the bubble. Until next time, have a great week, stay safe, and I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.